Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. I want to welcome you to Central Community. I want to welcome everybody who's watching online. Thanks for coming. Boy, I don't know. Boy, I'd have a hard time staying in bed versus experiencing what we've experienced this morning, wouldn't you? I mean, wow. We are blessed. We are very, very blessed. And you know what? I really think that if you're feeling blessed that sometime today or this week, you need to tell people about what God is doing at here so that they can experience the presence of God in their lives. I guarantee you it'll do them a lot of good. Hey, before I get started, I just want to invite all of you men. This afternoon we're having a barbecue. I know Dr. Bob has been working really hard to orchestrate this. We're going to be watching the Chiefs game and the Chargers, and so I just encourage you to come out and, and enjoy some community. This is one of the things that when we talk about knowing Christ and making Him known that we want to focus on. And you know what that is? It's uniting generations. It's important for those young men to see you wiser men <laughs> and for the wiser men to get to know some of these younger men and begin to help them walk through life and help them make not some of the same mistakes that you did. So I want to encourage you to do that. Okay, so this week I am preaching last week's sermon, okay? <laughs> Last week I had a junior moment, I'm not quite to the senior moment, but I had a junior moment, and I spoke this week's sermon last week, so I'm going to do last week's sermon today, okay? So we're in a series right now called the I Am Statements, and we're talking about the seven I Am's that are recorded that Jesus spoke in the Gospel of John. We've got one more after this week, and then I'm going to take just the first week in November, and I'm going to talk about what's going on in Israel. After that, then we're going to get into our Thanksgiving series. And so before that, just so you know, don't want to cause any anxiety, but nine weeks from today is Christmas. <laughs> Do you have your shopping done? <laughs> anyway, so these are the seven I am statements that Jesus describes that he uses about himself, and he uses metaphors. We talked about where Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the light of the world. We talked about the fact that he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am the door. He said, I am the good shepherd. And today, we're going to look at Jesus saying the words, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, we've talked about, and I've told you over and over again, that the book of John focuses on that last year in Jesus' ministry. Did you know that there were eight different times in the New Testament that people tried to take Jesus' life? Eight different times where people tried to kill him. And obviously it didn't happen because Jesus died giving of his life on the cross, the crucifixion, and it wasn't his time yet. But on eight different occasions, there were people that tried to kill Jesus where he was. Today, when we talk about this I am statement in the miracle of Lazarus, I want you to understand that this is the miracle that sealed the fate of Jesus in the eyes of the Jewish leadership. In other words, to speak it plainly, this is the miracle that God Jesus killed. Now, what I want to do, though, is I want to go back for a moment, if we can, and I want to go back to the book of John. It's in the end of John, and he tells us why it is that he wrote the book. But before we do this, I want you to look at this. 
It says, from that day on, they plotted to take his life. Now, here's what I want you to understand of this. This verse isn't just talking about Jesus. Because from this day on, guess what? They also planned on taking the life of Lazarus. I mean, they wanted to get rid of Jesus because he was the miracle worker, but now they wanted to get rid of the miracle. Why? Because everywhere Lazarus went, his life was a testimony to the power of Jesus and his claims. Look at this at the end of John. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of disciples. Notice how John uses that word signs which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So John is very specific about the reason that the Holy Spirit inspired him to write this book was because these signs were to point people to Jesus, and there were three things that John says that you need to know about who Jesus is. And the first one is this, he is the Messiah. The sad thing is that the Jews have missed that. But Jesus is the Messiah. The second thing that John wants us to understand is this. He is the Son of God. And the third thing that John wants to make sure we understand is this, is that faith in Jesus brings life, as we're going to find out once again today. And so the question about all of this that we're talking about boils down to one question. And the question is this, do you believe this? Stand with me out of respect for God's Word. As I read from John chapter 11, and I'm going to read verses 17 through 26. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, may I stand with firm conviction today and say, yes, I believe And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated.
So what's going on at the temple right now is what's called the Feast of Dedication. It follows right after the Feast of Booths. As we begin our story, you need to understand that Jesus and his disciples are back at the temple, and they're at, the, they're at Solomon's porch, or Solomon's portico, as it's called. This is where Jesus did a lot of his teaching. In fact, some of the IMs that we've already talked about, once again, this is where it took place at one of Jesus' favorite teaching points. While Jesus is teaching a group of people, he says these words, I and the Father are one. When he said that, some of the people picked up stones to kill him. And the reason was, it was called blasphemy. The people knew that Jesus was claiming to be God. And they had every right to end his life right there. And once again, Jesus escapes. So now that Jesus knows that there's a group of people now who are looking for him, Jesus takes his disciples and he travels about 40 miles to the north, a little bit east, to the Jordan River. He goes back to the very place where he was first baptized. Now the Bible tells us that in this place, there were many who believed in him. Now, I don't know about you, but we all know what's coming for Jesus, right? And doesn't it make sense that Jesus would go back for encouragement among his followers and also to encourage them? And that's where Jesus and his disciples are. And we're going to put them off to the side there and leave them there for a moment while we come over here. How many of you have heard of a man by the name of Caiaphas? Does that name ring a bell? Caiaphas was the high priest. What you may or may not know is that the way he got his job was he was appointed by the Roman government. And his specific job was to keep peace among the Jewish people. And the way that he was to do that was to lead the people in their observances of Yahweh. But something happened to Caiaphas as he filled this role. He felt the power. He saw how he could get the people to follow him, and he decided to use this office for himself. His pride and his ego began to swell up, and what he ended up doing is not leading the people in the observances of Yahweh, but he ended up pitting himself against Yahweh, Jehovah God. Now, in those days, you remember, there was one leading council, and it was called the Sanhedrin. There were two groups that were part of the Sanhedrin. One of them was the Pharisees. The Apostle Paul was a Pharisee. This was a very conservative sect, S-E-C-T. And there were three different sects within the Pharisees. They were conservative. They knew the Torah forwards and backwards, and they were part of the leading council. But there was another group that was called the Sadducees. These were the people who did not believe in the resurrection. Now think about that. We're talking about Lazarus here. 
They did not believe in the resurrection. They did not believe in, in, the, in the spiritual world. That's why we call them the Sadducees, because they were sad, you see, right? You've heard that before. These are the two groups who are leading. It's kind of like the Republicans and the Democrats. They couldn't get along, and neither could the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Now, what I need you to understand this morning is this. Caiaphas was a Sadducee. Caiaphas, don't forget, was the chief prosecutor in the trial of Jesus of Nazareth. I hope there's a picture that is beginning to form in your mind. Now, Jesus and his disciples are back at the Jordan River, and the Bible tells us that Mary and Martha had sent a messenger. Man, if they would just sent a text. I know that was bad, wasn't it? But they sent a, t- a messenger, and the messenger gets to Jesus, and this is what he tells you. He says, Jesus, your friend Lazarus is sick. He's ill. Now, here's what I need you to understand. That word sick, that word ill means quite ill and getting worse quickly. All right, now, let's pick up the story right there. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now, I want to keep that up there for a little bit because there's a couple things that I want to show you. The very first thing that I want to show you in there is, did you notice that when Lazarus is sick, when Mary and Martha experience tragedy, the very first thing that comes to their mind is Jesus. How about you? I know some of you in here today, from what you found out this last week, are walking a very difficult journey. And I want to ask you, is the very first thing that you think about when you go through trials and you go through difficulty, is the very first person that you think about Jesus? He's the one we should think about because in Christ we have everything we need. Now I want to show you something in this verse. In verse 3 it says, Lord, the one you love is sick. They're referring to Lazarus. But that word love is the phileo love. And the phileo love is that brotherly, that friendship kind of love. Now here's what I think is fascinating. When you look in verse 5 when it says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, that word love is agape love. That's that ongoing sacrificial love. So here's what I want you to know that I believe. This is just the gospel according to Bob. I believe that Jesus told his apostles, his disciples often that he loved them. I really do. I mean, Jesus, the Son, and the Father are one. God is love. I'm sure he told those disciples all the time how much he loved them. How many of you have children or grandchildren? 
Oh, don't you want to make sure your grandchildren know that you love them? How do you do it? Come here. Bob Bob loves you. And I know that Jesus said to Peter often, Pete, look at me. I know what's on your heart, but I want you to know I love you. In fact, isn't the gospel that we're studying, the gospel of John, how does he refer to himself as the disciple whom Jesus, what, loved? So here's what we can learn from this. People that Jesus loves get sick. I know that sounds, wow, that's really bright, Pastor Bob. But it's true. We get sick. And it's not because we're being punished. That has nothing to do with it. We're sick because this is life. And I think the problem about the way we live our lives is we keep thinking, I'm living life, moving towards the day that I'm dying. But that's not how Jesus tells us we're supposed to live our life. I'm dying every day, moving closer to the day where I will live, right? That's what Jesus wants us to know. Now, let's look at this scripture verse. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now, I want you to hear this very clearly. Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus so much that he delayed. In those days, the Jewish belief was that when somebody died, that the spirit would hover around the body for three days. It's now the fourth day. You know what that means? That means that their belief was is that resurrection was impossible. You need to understand that there had never been a resurrection up to this point. Now, Mary and Martha, when they come to Jesus, you know what they want from him? They want a resuscitation. You see, they want Jesus to come, and they want to resuscitate Lazarus. But Jesus delays. He waits till day four. Why did he wait till day four? Because he loved them. I want you to look at this. God's delays are not denials. They're just simply not yets. Have you ever prayed for something? Have you been praying for a while and nothing happens? You know what? If God doesn't want it to happen, he'll make it clear to you. But if God hasn't made that clear to you, then keep on praying. How many of you right now are praying for loved ones who don't know who Jesus is? You know what I would tell you? Well, you keep on praying. Because just this last week, I was able to witness a man who all of his life did not believe in the Lord Jesus. And in his bed, he received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And today, he is with that same Savior in his arms in heaven. 
don't ever stop praying. You know what our problem is? Is that we always tend to look at the love of God through our circumstances. And God wants us to view our circumstances through the love of God. I'm having a bad day. Man, I wonder what I did wrong. Boy, God must be punishing. No, that's not it at all. Don't view your circumstances and think, well, this is how God feels about me. Because if that were the case, we'd be miserable all the time, right? But the truth of the matter is this. We are to look at our circumstances knowing that God loves us because then it changes how we see everything. Mary and Martha wanted Jesus to come so that he would perform a resuscitation. But Jesus came because he wanted to give them a resurrection. Let's go on. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days, and then he said to the disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Good question. Jesus answered, are not there 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble for they will see by the world's light. So here we have Jesus. He's taking the disciples, and they're going back to where Jesus, where they tried to kill him. The disciples are trying to figure out what is wrong with this man. And Jesus tells them this, and I'm paraphrasing this. When you're walking in the center of God's will, you have nothing to fear. It doesn't mean bad things won't happen. It doesn't mean that you may be walking into a storm. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have a tragedy. It simply means this. When you're walking in the center of God's will, you have the truth and the knowledge of knowing you are doing what God has called you to do. And when that happens, you know that because you have Christ, you have everything that you need. Amen? And so whatever happens, let it happen. So Jesus tells his disciples, yeah, we're going back. And I want you to know that Lazarus is dead, but for your sake, I'm glad. Now, I have to admit, if I were a disciple and Jesus said that, I would be thinking, wow, somebody must have threw a rock and accidentally hit him. But that's not true. It's almost like Jesus saying, hey guys, we're going back and you're going with me and believe me, what you're about to see, you're not going to want to miss. Now let's watch. On his arrival, Jesus stood, found that Lazarus had already been in the dead in the tomb four days, okay? That's pretty significant right now, isn't it? Four days, not three, four Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to to Mary and Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. All right, now, so Jesus is on his way to a funeral, right? So let me help you understand a little bit about how they would have done funerals in those days. 
As soon as a person would die, they would immediately bury them that day, and usually in a family tomb. They would put a few spices on them. There was no embalming process. They would wrap them in cloths, and they would put them in the tomb. And then everybody would go back to the house. They would clear the house of all furniture, and they would sit on the floor. They would hire professional mourners, and the mourners would come in, and they would wail, and they would mourn. And this process would last for 30 days. Now, Lazarus was a very well-known person. And so people would come, and they would bring gifts, and they would bring um, all kinds of food. And this was a time when they would mourn. At this point in time now, Martha hears that Jesus is coming. You know what she does, doesn't she? She gets up, and she runs to meet him. Now, let's listen to their conversation When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Can you just hear the pain in that statement? But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. So, here we are, and now we have Martha, and she goes to Jesus, and she tells him, if you would have only been here. So, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a time in your life when Jesus no-showed you? Think about it. Have you ever had a time in your life when Jesus didn't show up? I mean, you prayed and you prayed. You asked God to intervene on your behalf. You even fasted to show God how serious you were about your prayers to Him. And nothing. This morning, Pastor Phil said to us, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good, but for you right now, life is really hard because you're walking the journey, and you're not sure how this is going to end You understand what Martha is saying. Jesus, if you'd have been here, for crying out loud, if you'd have been here, we wouldn't be in this predicament. You know how my heart breaks? You know how much I'm hurting right now? If you'd have only been here, we wouldn't be in this place. Yeah, I get it, I get it. The resurrection is coming at the last day. But if you'd have just showed up, if you'd have just answered my prayer when I called, I wouldn't be where I am today. So now what do you do? I want you to remember this. Even though in your life things may seem out of control, it's still under God's rule. Even though life for you may be chaotic, it's still under God's rule, and God knows nothing but peace. 
How many of you remember Job? Remember what Job went through? Man, he lost almost everything, didn't he? But you remember what the Bible says about Job? I think it's in chapter 46. This is what it said. There were things that Job needed to learn. There were things that God wanted to teach Job. And the only way he would realize it was through adversity, through hard times, through coming to the end of yourself and recognizing, I have nothing except Jesus and Jesus Christ only. So what do you do? How many of you remember those Hebrews names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Look at what happened to them. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to King, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. Now look at these words. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Now here it comes. But even if he does not... We want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. What faith. I want a faith like that, don't you? I mean, they basically told the king, hey, listen, we know we're going to the furnace, but we want you to know this that no, we are not going to bow our knee. We are not going to worship any other God except for Yahweh. And so even if you give us another chance, we're telling you right away, you know what? We're not going to bow down. And then they say, you know what? And we know we're going to the furnace, but here's what we know. We know our God is able to save us. Amen? But here's where the faith comes. But even if he chooses not to, We will not bow down. That's faith. When you don't know how it's going to end, and you release it to the Lord your God, and you say as Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but thy will be done. I love this. Somebody sent this to me this week. I love it when people who have been through hell walk out of the flames carrying buckets of water for those still consumed by the flames. Isn't that a great quote? Believe it or not, that was on Facebook. (laughs) But what a great quote. Now, be encouraged. 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Now here it comes, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. You know one of the reasons why you're going through difficult times right now? So that you can be a comfort to someone else later when they have to walk the same journey. That's what I mean when I say God does his best work through his people. Take a look at this. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The, fly, the flames will not set you ablaze. In whatever you're going through, God is with you. And now we come to this statement. Jesus and Martha are on the road, and Jesus says these words to her. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? My friends, do you understand what it is that Jesus is saying here? He is simply telling us that resurrection is not an event, it's a person. And the person is Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus, when he calls Lazarus by name, on the other side of death, Lazarus responds. That's the certainty that we're looking for, that even on the other side of death, we respond to the name of Jesus. Now, I want to point something out to you, and it says here, it says, and whoever lives by believing in him will never die. Circle that word never in your Bible. Because that never word never means ongoing to infinity. In other words, and whoever lives by believing in me will never, 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 and on and on die. Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill was a prime minister of Britain, and he is known, he served twice as prime minister, and he is known for how he stood in the face of tyranny with Hitler and the Third Reich, and how he and the people of Britain won, along with the United States and the other allies, a great victory over evil. A lot of people have said that Winston Churchill lived a pretty rough life, and he did at that but he was a believer in Jesus. And one of his favorite verses was this verse right here. He planned his own funeral, and he wanted the world to know that he believed in this verse. And so here's what he did. At the end of his service, he had a bugler stand in the back and play taps. Now, for those of you who have been in the, in the service, you know that taps, when it is played, it's to remember all of those who have given of their lives. But it's also played every night at Arlington Cemetery. 
It's also played at barracks all around the world, and it simply means lights out. The day is over. So, at the end of the funeral, sure enough, the bugler stood up and he played taps. But then something happened that nobody knew about. Right after they played taps, 15 trumpets began to play or to play reveille. He wanted the world to know. Yes, this life had come to an end, but a new life had begun. My dear friends in Christ, sometimes I wonder how you can sit on your seats during our worship services and not just explode with excitement. But now I'm going to give you your chance because the Lord is listening. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never, 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 never die. Do you believe this? Yes. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his strength, and the joy of knowing with certainty your home is in heaven, and that's where life begins. God bless you. Have a great day.